it is a very unique company. We sell land. This is ranches, this is farms, beach access, recreational properties, a lot, a lot, a lot of hunting properties. We specialize in rural land sales. We work with solar. We've at times been one of the larger solar land. We help facilitate land sales with solar. We also work with commercial real estate. So we have several divisions that we work with, and then we have subdivisions with auctions and leases and stuff like that. In this episode, I'm talking to Matt Christian, CMO of National Land Realty, the second largest land realty in the US. They're doing over a billion dollars in land sales every single year. We're going to talk about number one, how do they enable their agents to sell so much? Because at the end of the day, the success of a real estate company really depends on the people. Number two, we're going to dive into the KPIs. What KPIs do they look at to measure the success of digital ads and events? Because some of these sales take over three years to complete. And number three, we're going to try to figure out things like how much you spend on marketing every single month or year. What's the secret sauce behind events? Because events work really well for them. How much exactly does Mac make as a CMO? And every time he cannot answer a question, we both have to take a shot of hot sauce. Wish me luck, Martians. I hope you enjoy this one. Hello, hello, Martians. Welcome back to another episode of Marketing on Mars. Today, we got the CMO, Matt Christian, CMO of National Land Realty. Uh, this, is a, this is a new type of company on the show. The La National Land Realty, they sell land, basically. Uh, they're the second largest land realty company in the U.S. They have over 400 agents, and I heard they do over a billion dollars in land real uh, land sales per year, but I'm not sure. So we got Mac today to answer all of our hot questions. Mac, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, thank you as well. Glad to be on. Uh, what what's that? Explain your backgrounds. Are you uh, like what are you doing back there? You you play? You're like a guitarist. <laughs> I I got more hobbies than I should have. Uh, so family first. I, I spend a lot of time with my family. I do a little dabbling in guitar. I do some oil painting. I've got my little. I've got, my head is on my duck here. Uh, so yeah. I got, I got I some painting. That. Do a lot of outdoor stuff: fly fishing, hunting, camping, hiking, all the all that kind of stuff. All all the typical Northwest stuff. So okay, explain this a little bit. Obviously, I'm based in Vancouver. We are your 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 neighbors uh, up in Canada, and you're based in Idaho. I've you've told me that you guys do a lot of hunting out there. How big is like? Tell tell us to, for people that are outside of Idaho, what is Idaho like living there? So it's Idaho, Montana, uh, northern Wyoming, northern Utah, Oregon. Those states, it's a lot of public land. Anything east or sorry, anything west of the Mississippi has public land. If you look at the United States, there's this huge discrepancy between east and west. Like back east, a lot of private land. There's like 10% public land. Um, west of the Mississippi, like Idaho, I think is around 60% public land. So you can, I can drive 10 minutes north of me and I can walk mountains until I fall down. Um, so it's, it's a lot of open land. <laughs> Uh, the mountains will run up in Idaho around there. The bigger ones are like 10,000 feet that, that are like accessible. Um, and then we have wilderness areas that there's no roads or anything. So there's, there's no civilization there at all. So it's, it's all pine mountain, ski hills, whitewater rafting, that kind of stuff. Wow. And 
Okay, so so we're we're, we're gonna dive into the company. <laughs> I'm I'm very excited because you guys are gonna be the first, actually the first real estate anything related to real estate to come on the show. So it's gonna be very interesting. I'm probably gonna have a lot of dumb questions. So so bear with me. Um, Only if you can bear with but, my dumb answers. So yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. So we're even. Um, I'm gonna have a lot of questions. I want to know, like, if I were to start in your field, what it takes to win in marketing. And obviously, you as a CMO, you touch everything marketing. So I'm gonna have a lot of questions. And the name of the show, obviously, and I've told you this, we're gonna start off the show with Sean Hot Sauce. I have about four. Uh, I have a little wall. I know you have a few, which we're gonna get into. And every single time throughout the interview, I'm gonna ask you basically questions that I want to know with with a friend of mine. So I'm going to ask you unfiltered questions and any time that you cannot answer any questions or you cannot disclose it because of, you know, privacy and, and all that, um, we'll just take a shot of hot sauce and then we move on to the next question. So for the first time, how, what what weapon do you have for us? I don't know what you guys eat out there. I, I grabbed, so I grabbed, I, I'm going low on the first one because I'll make myself cry later. Uh, I have <laughs> Melinda's black truffle hot sauce. And this okay. one's almost empty, so obviously I've been into it a little bit. So you know this, and then, and then, how spicy are you gonna get later? Like, what is your? Uh, I have a. One you have? I've got a habanero. I have a ghost pepper, and I have a reaper and pineapple garlic. So you eat spicy. I'm gonna spicy I'm gonna work my way through Tabasco first and see how we do, because. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same. I'm gonna start. So closest to me, I have a, I have a habanero, as well from Cancun. Okay. And then, and then the second one will be a spicier habanero. And then I'm gonna go into Reaper territory. So that's a Carolina Reaper from Portland. I love this brand. Uh, I've been using it for a while. And then I'll go if I want. If we want to go crazy. I got one. This is my favorite hot sauce. This is uh, from Seattle. They won. They won a 2022, uh, 2020 uh, uh, pepper competition. So it's pretty damn. It's pretty damn spicy. All right. So we'll start off with the habanero. Let's get All right. Show. I'm gonna go with my weak. My weak sauce here. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, my office desk is now covered in. Melinda's hot sauce. Damn it, Melinda. I know. Are we doing it? Yeah, I got it. All right. All right. Cheers. This is perfect because I ate some food. The last three episodes, I've been complaining that I didn't eat food. So I prepared for this one. I'm ready to go deep with you. All right. So let's start off the show a little bit. We've kind of talked about your background, um, but let's dive into a little bit more. Your entire background, starting you started your career in, in Boise, Idaho, where you currently live, right, uh, as a graphic designer, and you kept moving on to different kind of graphic design slash marketing and content um, roles, and you just, you've been at several different companies, but you joined National Land Realty just a little over two years ago. 
walk us through your career progression and, and, and your career story and how everything led to you to where you are today. Yeah, it's fairly unique as far as in, any kind of marketing leadership. I mean, it's it wasn't one where I went and got my MBA straight out of college and then went into marketing management and like pursued the director role. I st- started as a graphic designer and, uh, you know, it, I liked it. I enjoyed it. But I was always just kind of pushing for more responsibility. And I, I don't like to be told I can't do something. So it was one of those like as a designer. I remember in an agency job I had, it was like, well, no, you, you don't need to go into account management. You just need to stay in the corner in the dark place and like make things pretty. And, you know, that kind of role just didn't jive with me. Like that's just different personality types fit better in different situations. And uh, so I pursued account management. I pursued um, more leadership. And then something that was lacking is like in, in those roles, there's not a like, um, there's not a lot of experience in finance. And so I kind of had to find my own experience and Build. I built my resume ad hoc is, is what I did. And so I kind of <laughs> built my own path and I eventually got to director roles. Um, and then I just given, you know, what we talked about already, I really like the outdoors, the rural space. And uh, so I kind of started pursuing positions in, in that sort of area. And it just I kind of fell into positions and, and I got to know people that like the job I have now is was from a previous employer and made an exit there. And then they helped land me this one. And that, they didn't help land me. They gave me the reference that got the door open. And, you know, there was pretty stiff competition for this one. Um, I, I was just a good fit for the company and where they were at the time. And, you know, there's timing, there's people, you know, there's experience. It all just kind of builds together to, you know, you are who your resume says you are. Experience, timing, people, you know, Obviously, timing is so hard to control. Experience, you're going to get experience, right? Over time, you're always going to get experience. Just hopefully you're getting the right experience. And then the last piece, people you know. How important is it? People talk about, you know, the famous saying, it's all about who you know. How important is it? Like You've now been in the marketing industry for, call it 14-ish years. Um, you probably 20. know this better than any. Close to 20. Yeah. Close to 20. Wow. So how, how important is it? Like if you were to give a rating, how important, like a percentage rating, how important is it to just know the right people and just like build your network? I think, you know, it's, it's, it's who, you know, and I think who, you know, gets lumped a lot with going out and meeting the right people. But a, a lot of it is who, you know, as in who are you around right now? Because those are going to be your future references though. That is going to be your network. And so I, I think, the, the who you know depends on just the, the relationships you cultivate with the people you're currently are surrounded by. Because, you know, in my situation, right, like I, I did get some good referrals. Um, I'd, I've had the privilege of working with one agency I worked with twice now because I'd, I left and then came back because I kept good rapport and and I didn't burn bridges. You know, I, I had to learn that as my career went on not to burn bridges because when I was younger, that's not something that I had in my in my pocket. Um, the knowledge, the knowledge is paramount, I think, to anybody pursuing a larger role. Like, I, so, you know, I came out of college, I'm an art major, you know, I, I'm not exactly someone you're going to trust with, you know, your finances, right? Because I'm, again, art majors aren't exactly known for like their, their engineering skills, right? So I had to build that manually. I went out and I, I started working, <laughs> I worked for two years in finance to, to, and it was sort of with an overarching goal to build myself as a professional. Um, I backed it up with an MBA, 
Uh, that's very, very helpful. I, I think that that's any level of leadership. It's a very valuable tool. But I mean, experience can overcome education any day, right? Like if you have the experience in those areas and you build it, it, we're in a day and age where you can acquire your own knowledge, however you choose to build it. And, and so it just depends on how Absolutely. you can do it. So. Yeah, I totally agree. Especially now, like you can, you can literally have your entire degree online nowadays. Like there's so much to learn, chat GPT and everything, so much content out there. You don't necessarily have to go down the traditional route. And a lot of people are not uh, going down that route anymore. So I agree with you. Agree with you there. Um, let's shift gears a little bit. We're going to get, we're going to jump back into you and your background near the end of the show. Uh, but as this is a marketing podcast, I want to dive in and I want to understand your company and also what you do for marketing. Cause you guys, I've, I've heard in the grapevine that you guys do a lot in terms of land sales. We're going to try to get into that. Um, maybe let's give some love to, to the company. What exactly does national land realty do? Maybe you can give us some overall like stats. Give us a sense of how, how large the company is. Yes. Yeah, so it's a, it's a very, I would say in, in anywhere that I've been, any experience I have with any business, it is a very unique company. Um, and so just overhead view, we sell land, we sell dirt. Like that's the easiest way that we can put it in front of anybody. Uh, we specialize in rural land sales so that we, we do not do residential. Uh, so this is ranches, this is farms, um, you know, beach access, recreational properties, a lot, a lot, a lot of hunting properties. Um, but at the end of the day, we sell dirt. We also do, we work with solar. We, you know, we've, we've at times been one of the larger solar land. Um, uh, we help facilitate land sales with solar. Uh, we also work with commercial real estate. Um, so we have several divisions that we work with. And then we have subdivisions with auctions and uh, leases and stuff like that. Okay. And then in terms and, of... Sorry, I didn't I've answer heard... your question. I didn't oh, answer yeah. your question. So you asked me about sales. So uh, so yeah. last year, 2022, uh, we were we were well north of 1.4 billion. Uh, 2020 or 2021, we were well north of 1.5 billion. Okay. So you guys are growing pretty fast. Um, well, I mean, I'm talking, you know, the that's a negative growth. So 2021 was 1.5, 2022 was oh, 1.5. Okay. And what it means is that we're highly susceptible to inflation or to interest rate risk uh, is, is the thing that we've been dealing with. Um, the land, just real estate in general, markets have been sort of upended in the last two years. And so the the market risk is is very high with with our industry. Mm, I see. What are you what are you uh, kind of guesstimating for this year? Like, is it going to be better than last year or worse because interest rates haven't gone down? <laughs> I I don't know if they will. Uh, it's it's going. It, this year's a definite struggle. What it is is it's just interest rate shock, right? So there's the inventory is very low. Um, what we're seeing, the, the average land sale per transaction is holding strong. Um, it's dropped a little bit, like I think about fit, about $50,000 per transaction. Uh, we average, the average sale for us is around 700,000. We have at any given time, we have a dozen to two dozen or, you know, north of a million, uh, sorry, we usually have a half dozen, 20 million plus. We usually have 
oh man, anywhere up to a hundred that could be over a million dollars. It depends on the amount of listings that we have. Um, we carry an inventory usually of around between between thirteen hundred and seventeen hundred listings per month, just given rotation and sales and everything like that. Mm, I see. Um, what are you um, What are you anticipating moving forward? You you mentioned one line. You don't think it's gonna interest rates will be coming down. Where do you see this go? This taking us in the next one or two years? Yeah, and you know we've interviewed a lot of economists on on the interest rate issue, and you know the last twenty years interest rates have been so low. Like the younger generations don't even remember a time when interest rates existed, right? Like we've had zero in yeah. you know, interest for so long, but where we are right now is historically just about average. So we, we've now come back to historical normal and we've seen interest rates as high as like 14%, 20% in some cases, like in that late 1970s, early 1980s, when, when interest was very high. Um, I don't, anti- I, I, I'm never going to move in anticipation of things dropping, right? In any market, when things raise, they tend to not drop. Interest is different because, you know, it's a, it's a federal control it's the, really the one trick pony they have to control the economy. Um, yeah. There, there's there's people saying the thing of like buy now and wait for inflation or wait for I keep on saying inflation, wait for interest to drop, and it's like no, don't do that. <laughs> like you, you can't bank on that. Um, so what we have right now is shock, right? When anytime you introduce a new stimulus to people in general, they sit on the wings. And you've just introduced a lot of change to, you know, to the general public at large. And so a lot of those transactions that could have taken place, people are just sitting back and just saying, okay, what's going to happen? It's going to take a while for people to, to adjust and to come to terms. Uh, the value that people are getting off of their property sales is going to be lower because of the interest rate. Um, not as many people can buy it if you have that high price that you expected in 2020. Um, so the market has to adjust. It's probably going to take anybody I've talked to, and I, and I, I have the same opinion, is a year, year and a half, two years for people to start adjusting. And so we're about probably halfway through where people are going to start moving a little bit. Yeah. Okay, cool. So obviously a lot of things we can't control, um, but we still got to move forward and your company still has to move forward, still has to grow. Now your your area is in a very unique area. You're, you're selling land. I can't imagine people, you know, clicking uh, like an ad, right? Like a Facebook ad and be like, "Yep, I'm going to sell my ten million dollar plot of land." Marketing might, might might be a little bit different for you guys. What kind of areas are you spending money on when you when you think about your marketing budget as a CMO? Where where are your like top channels? Where are you spending money? Yeah. And that's, it's, it is, it took me a fair amount of time to get my head around this industry. Cause I, I did, I came from a more traditional, you know, marketing background. And so, and, and a lot of people, when they, when they think about it just internally, that that's sort of the dialogues that happened when I came on board was, you know, what are we doing for ads and what are we bringing in for? And it's like, you know, we, we, we had to sort of change the paradigm internally of, no amount of ads anybody is ever going to see is going to make them sell the family ranch. Like, oh, I just saw this great ad. I'm going to sell everything. Like, it's never going to yeah. happen. 
So, and, and it's not like I could go out and put up a sale, like, hey, you know, farm, 50% off. Like, that's never happened either, right? So, like, it, it works different. Black Friday, buy one, buy one, get one free kind of thing. Buy one, get one free. I would take that, right? Anybody would. So, it real estate is unique like that. And in a lot of, a, a lot of what it gets pitched as is everyone has a shiny thing. Every real estate outfit has a shiny, like we've got a TV show, we've got a magazine, we've got this and that. And and then so the question you always have to go back to is like, did that actually close the deal for you? Did somebody come in and talk to you and say like, oh, Chuck, you know, your personality is trash, but I love your TV show. So I'm going to sell it. Like there's, it, it, it has more to do with relationship. And so what you come back to every time is sales enablement. And the the key is relationship building with our agents and their community at large. It's different than residential real estate in that we deal a lot with rural communities and their rural communities tend to be highly, highly protective. They're highly, highly insulated. And you have to know somebody you have to. And, and what it comes down to is trust, right? If you are from outside of their area, you don't have trust because they don't know you. So what we cultivate is giving an environment where agents get the proper tools to learn how to build a following, to get to know people, to build trust. Um, it, it's really just sales enablement at a mass scale. Right. Um, and what are the what are the top ways where that that you guys support your agents? Is it just through community events or like what what are these kind of you know things that you guys are doing to, to support the team? Yeah, so since we work at a national scale, um, every and, and I can I can speak to this very well because I I come from a very very rural community. My hometown has about five hundred people. New Meadows, yeah. Idaho. If you if you want to look that one up, um, terrific place to grow up. Uh, so every every small town is different. Like so, in just my area, right within a hundred miles, you have a rafting centric community, you have a logging centric community, you have a resort centric community, and you have a farming centric community. Each one of those functions and behaves very differently. And so when we look at it from a sales enablement approach, we basically have an internal marketing team that will function on request for pretty much anything any agent needs across the country at any time, which is it puts a lot of pressure on us. But we produce that stuff constantly. We also produce tools in the field for them to use on a constant basis. Uh, we run, we do what we can to do brand awareness on a mass scale. But one of the things that limits us is that let's take the same constraints of a rural community. Um, you're yeah. running a Google ad with, uh, you know, to people that probably aren't checking Google all that often, or when they are, oh. they're doing business, and there's there's. There's a preconceived notion if you're talking rural, you're not talking like high tech, not the case. When you're talking ranching and farming, you're talking about highly educated, highly driven um, individuals that are running businesses, but they don't have time to surf the web. So you're not going to capture as much on Google. We do have a lot of capture on traditional Facebook. Um, that's, that is a high oh. output for leads. Um, so Facebook tends to be a great one because in your leisure time, you get off of a day of work. Um, you think about the age range, the age range is right. You're talking 40 to 60 years old. That's the, you know, I'll say 30 to 60 years old are your heavy Facebook users and stuff. Um, they're still there and they're still moving. Uh, the conversation is still there for us. 
Interesting. So you got sales en enablement, which, you know, basically you're, you're, you got an internal marketing team that will support these agents in whatever area they want to get into. So they want to get more involved with the logging community. And there's like a, you know, there's a block party happening. The internal marketing team will support there, right? That, that kind yes. of thing. You got the sales enablement. You got ads. We talked a little bit about ads. We'll dive into those two. Any other channels that you guys are using to target or to do marketing? Yeah. So channels. So we work, we'll work with industry partners. So industry industry partnership works as a referral, right? So if you're working with a brand that is familiar with our target audience, it, it does it does enact some level of referral. So word of mouth is still king when it comes down to our industry. If someone refers you, you're good. Um, so we work a lot with referral partners um, and we'll just, that just requires like sponsoring influencers, sponsoring a brand, uh, working with a brand for a giveaway for product awareness with our agents. So that becomes a big one because for certain products, our agents become a really, really great referral source. And because th when they work with landowners, they get to refer things like surveys. They get to refer things like hunting equipment. They get to you know refer things like tractor supply. So all that stuff matters on a word of mouth level. The other thing that we've done really heavily is invested in technology. So we created a way to do a tour of real estate from the sky. Uh, it's a, just a 3D tour from the air, but we enabled um, the plotting of three-dimensional resources on the ground that you can see from the sky, zoom in, wow. check it out. It's, it's how you see the 3D home tours. We enable that from a sky view on a large acreage plot of land. And that's been really, really influential. It is sort of a game changer in our industry. We're the only ones that have anything like that. So we've put a lot of focus on technology instead of what I've referred to as like the shiny thing. We want to put something in somebody's hand that helps them move their product, meaning helps people sell their land for them. And when it comes down to it, our product that we sell is our agents. That's that's kind of how we function. I recently had a conversation with the founder of a company called Geo Pogo, uh, and what and, and they're they're using AR like art. What's AR? Augmented reality, <laughs> where you can put on. <laughs> sorry, I'm tired. Uh, you put on a, a pair of goggles, and you can envision a building on a plot of land. Like you, they'll create it. And you put on the, and so you can kind of, uh, it becomes like a selling, uh, like a tool to help sell developers that are building land. But, but maybe that can help with your your land your land sales too, right? You can put on an AR goggle and like, hey, this is what it can become in the future if you sell the land. You ever like looked into things like that as well? We have not looked into augmented reality. I mean, it, the the. The level that we do, the output has to be so fast. So like you get the land, you get it listed, you have to go take, you know, the, the agents go into the field. And a lot of what they're doing are things like site indexing for timber, like how much how much timber will this site yield and stuff. So they have to do the studies first. Oh, And so because the land sales are very, very, very dynamic. You've got to go into everything from uh, soil composition, pH in the soil. Uh, you know, timber output, like this is all working. You're, people are buying a business a lot of the times when they're buying land or it's just a hunt or fish. And then you have to do things like, well, what's your food plottage? What kind of protein is your, is your uh, food plottage yielding? You know, that kind of stuff. The, the, so the, when, the, when the 
tours go into place, you've got to implement very quickly. And so we've set up a system, a backend system for agents to do that. I can imagine augmented reality would take some time to implement at scale. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, the, it might the be way fast. The I don't guy, know. I don't think about it. Yeah. The way that the, the guy described it was it's pretty fast. Unless you want to be very detailed with how it's going to look, you can, they have like a, a stock 10 story building that they can just throw in or like a stock 20 story building that they can throw in and they'll just control C and control V paste it on top of each other. So if you want to build a you want to build five high rises on the power line, just control C and then you can just kind of envision it. I don't know. That's the way it was described, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, I'm it sounds like what you're doing. Yeah. I was going to say, if he's watching or if you have the reason, I would be if down on that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, if he's watching, I think, um, I, I speak with him. I've only spoken with him three times, but, um, he's based in San Francisco. Um, but, and, and, and they're, and they're, yeah, they're, they're, they've been growing. So I think it'll be interesting if they're watching. Um, so you got sales enablement, you got Facebook ads, you got industry partners, anything else? I heard you guys have a podcast as well. So it was content creation also another bucket. Yeah. So content creation is kind of that. That's a lot of the focus that we run with our, I, I guess I didn't speak to that. I didn't know, but I'm not doing a very good job at my job right now. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, I'm very, very, very blessed with a terrific team. Um, they're very flexible. Uh, they do about, I would say 60% of what they do is the sales enablement side, which is just supporting people in the field that know their communities that know what they need. Uh, the other side is they churn a lot of content. We we use a hub and spoke on most of our stuff. Uh, we just leverage wherever possible. So the the podcast is a really as as you probably know, podcast is a really easy way to get a lot of content that you can leverage to other resources. And so we'll, we'll use that as a spearhead. But we also take internal content and third party content, meaning we'll we'll work with other vendors to produce content with them. Um, but we, we do the podcast. We have about, we're getting close to like 2000 downloads a month, which is kind of interesting for how niche oh. we are. Um, we've done it all right, yeah. almost completely organic is, is where we've done that. Um, and then we leverage each podcast piece into articles and then we put those out on social media. We run those on our blog and it's, it's twofold, right? So you, you put information in the people's hands, information builds trust. You don't trust somebody who doesn't give you good information. The other side is it's a good sales tool for the agents. So that's the the real backbone of what we do is we provide knowledge to the agents through this content, but it's also knowledge that the agents can pass off to whoever they're working with. Um, so it's kind of a, it's a holistic kind of model that we work with. That's awesome. How much are you guys, uh, this would be our first hot sauce question. Ooh. How much are you, uh, I think you can answer this. How much are you guys spending right now in just, like podcast production? Like, how much are you spending per month? Oh, on the All podcast? Months. Yeah. Oh, you don't even want to know. It's embarrassing. It's next to nothing. <laughs> really? You guys are spending zero dollars? No. Uh, I mean, so we have our uh, we have our subscription for uh, Adobe Creative Cloud, where I run my editing. Um, I'm hosting, so we don't pay a host. Uh, we do our distribution almost completely organic. We will pump maybe a few hundred bucks in the ads, depending on placement and effectiveness. Um, we are very, very wow. bootstrapped. And, and I mean, like industry-wide, right? So I spoke to interest rate risk. 
we have cut every cost imaginable. So it's very, very, uh, it's, it feels like a startup with an established company because, wow. because of the nature of our business, we're very, very conservative minded as a company. So when, if we think that there's risk in the market, we're going to make sure that our company is protected, meaning that we can support our agents still. Um, and so when it comes down to it, if it's going to be between running ads and supporting our agents, the ads go first. And so we, we concentrate a lot of our ads towards, uh, you know, trying to build up different markets. So we just got done running one for, for duck hunting season, right? And, and like duck hunting centric properties uh, back east. And so that took up a lot of our budget. We, we do a lot into recruiting. Uh, the podcast does not have much left over. So we've been able to bootstrap that. Most of, the, most of the growth that we've experienced is by having third-party guests on the podcast um, and it's guest distribution. And, share when, it. Yeah. and when they share it, it goes and it and it, it comes down to if it's useful and it provides good information, it'll grow. And so we try to make it as valuable as possible. Wow. So, so you do all the editing. You don't have an editor. You don't pay an editor. <laughs> you don't have social media person. You don't do any of that stuff. I'm sort of a unique CMO on that level because like we've talked about how I came up in the industry. I have experience with most of the things out there between copywriting and video and editing and all that. So uh, I look at it as what can I throw at my team in a given amount of time? And so when it started out, my team was really overloaded and I was like, okay, if I throw an editing thing at, my, at anybody on my team right now, they're going to snap. And so I, it, it was one of those where I have the tools and I have a couple extra hours that I can, I can weed out of the month. Um, I, I make it happen. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. What about your full marketing budget? Right. Talk about ads, someone managing the ads and the cost to run the ads, sales enablement, the rest of the content production. Cause I know you guys also do social media and maybe emailing. We didn't include emailing. Like what is your, monthly or annual marketing budget you're gonna make me take hot sauce yeah so that's we had the conversation and so this is where the the industry is unique um any bit of information that gets put out there in real estate gets kind of cutthroat and it can be used against you and so we keep things a oh. lot of things behind the veil okay and we're going really to not, mr picante i'm gonna run to tabasco all right This is only our first shot of hot sauce. You've been answering everything. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers. Ah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so spicy. It looks like you felt that you felt that a lot more than I felt mine. Um, yeah. I'll so. up the ante on the next one. Yeah. And you know, it's a question I would like to be able to answer for you. Uh, we don't have a lot that we are worried about, but the, the industry at whole tries to stay buttoned down. And so we, we just made a decision on this interview that we're going to keep a little button down. Yeah. In other words, in other words, uh, organizationally, we're willing to put my taste buds at risk. Yeah. Yeah. It just goes to show up. They're just throwing you under, they're throwing your taste buds under the bus. Uh huh. All right. Okay, let's dive in a little bit. What time we have? We're thirty-five. Okay, let's talk a little bit about ads because that part is interesting. Yeah. You said Facebook ads are working. 
Google, not so much. What is your breakdown? Like, how much are you spending? Like, you look at your overall budget because I'm pretty sure you can't share how much you're spending on ads. What percent is going towards Facebook and what percent is going towards Google nowadays? That I can So percentages we can talk to easily. That's a great one. Um, so between Facebook and Google, it's it's about 50-50 um, is, where, is where we are now. We, wow. we run... We, and we run specific uh, targeted ads toward Google. We, we focus on a certain, uh, we focus on sellers for Google. We, we focus on people who are looking at selling land that are looking for more information. And so we try to supply that information. There's a lot to consider when you're selling land. Everything from, you know, uh, access points to, you know, I spoke to the other stuff before, right? Your income sources. Um, whether it's ranch, farm, recreation, there's a million variables, and it's much more complex than I ever gave it credit. Uh, so we put it, we put a lot of seller ads on Google. Facebook tends to be, you know, it's Facebook, so it's going to be more visual. It's, it's got to be more quick bites, that kind of thing. Um, we put it, put as much information out there as we can. Facebook has actually evolved in the last three years into the heaviest driver of leads that we have. Wow. Which is, I, I am um, as surprised as anybody else could be off of that. Hold on, but how do you guys measure it, though? Are you guys measuring it in terms of viewership, clicks into the website? Like, how do you drive, how, how do you measure success with ads now with third-party cookies kind of disappearing? Yeah, a lot of that's going away, right? So so we won't be able to see in the future, but we could see on the tail end of it, um, you know, GA4 is out now. It's kind of like been, that's been a great tech project by itself. Um, so we, we started seeing growth in traffic really heavy in second quarter of 2022. And so we started putting a lot of focus there and now, and at the time we were capturing a lot of form fill kind of stuff that would come in through that channel. Uh, and then we pulled that into, we started pulling that into recently I've integrated a new CRM. And, uh, so we've been tracking a lot of lead progress through our CRM. We, we, we have limited so we use follow up boss now um, is what we when, what we ended up going with. It's a it is a real estate focused CRM that we're pretty pleased with. Cool. OK, so you guys are your, your main KPI that you're tracking. And correct me if I'm wrong, is cost per form filled. Yeah, that we, the, that's, the that's, our, that's our conversion. Yeah. So we'll we'll check out that for conversion. Um, pipeline wise, that's like the first point. If you get a form fill, if you get a request for new information, um, somebody who wants more information on buying or selling is sort of where we run our conversion from. Uh, and then the other part of that is when we get, you know, it's the, it's the word of mouth stuff. If an agent meets somebody in person, we'll be tracking that too. That's always your highest conversion rate. And the, you know, there's, there's sort of conversion to entry into right our, our sales funnel or whatever you want to call it right it's just our sales yeah. process final conversion is of course running a transaction right like I, right. i'm using wonky terminology there's some cmo out there that probably wants to slap me upside the head <laughs> okay so the one thing i wanted to ask though you guys are all across the u.s over 400 agents now is that correct 400, is that the number? So it's all across the US. Are you running ads for every single region possible? Like you got one for Idaho, you're running ads for 
uh, San Francisco and then you're breaking it down very niche or are agents responsible for their own ads? So it's, it's hit and miss, right? Um, so agents by their nature in real estate are independent contractors. Uh, they, they can, we can't tell them where to show up for work, right? They, it's their job to kind of do their thing because they own their own business. So they can run it. What we will do on request, and so it's, we have a we have a submission system for any request. If an agent wants to run ads, they don't know how to do it. We will sit them down and we'll put them through a clinic. And this is how you do it. This is what you do. Uh, if they want to run it to their market independently, it would it they cover the cost there, and then we run a national approach of brand awareness that we hit in kind of any any of the rural markets. We put a percentage concentration in areas where we have a higher percentage of agents because we can cover the territory better. So we'll put out more awareness in those areas. And then a, there's some areas where, where like we have like one agent, you know, in a thousand miles or whatever, that's thousand miles is too big, but you know what I mean? Um, so so we'll, we'll run less ad spend there because really if we created a lot of leads, we wouldn't be able to cover it. And so it has to do with percentage of agents in the area and then we'll run brand awareness to it. I see. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, let's see. We got a few more minutes before we jump into our final segment. Um, we were talking a couple of weeks ago, and you mentioned you said something that uh, that really stuck to me. You said something along the lines of um, people focus way too much on the data, and they don't really focus on like the social intelligence part and having empathy in their marketing like losing the human focus of marketing. Talk to us a little bit more about that. You mentioned it and it just really stuck to me. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm really putting myself at risk here by, I, I can make myself sound like a flaky marketer, right? So uh, what I don't want to make it sound like is that data doesn't matter. Data is the backbone of a lot of what we do, but the, sure. the word, the word of uh, a data, data-based marketer or a data-centric marketer, like that word has been so strong for so long. It started driving a lot of the conversation. I think marketing did what most things do is they jump on trends. And, and it's not, I mean, it's a trend that's going to stay. Data is always going to be a thing. But over the last, you know, 10 years, I'll say 10 years, I'm making stuff up, right? I'm pulling it out of my pocket. But there's this focus on data. Like I'm a data centric marketer and everything I do and say is based on data. And like, it's a lot of that, like, well, you know, when I smile three times, I close more, like that kind of stuff started. <laughs> it is. It, and, and so it, it kind of got silly to where you were measuring every increment of things. And when you do that, you lose the social intelligence. You, you, you lose that ability to imagine yourself in a crowded room. And how do you engage yeah. a stranger in a crowded room? And, you know, product marketing with high volume, you do have to pay a little more attention to that. Like that becomes very data driven because it's at a higher scale. And with what we move with, like we're at a much slower pace. Our transactions can take five years and we chances of us having a return customer are nothing, right? Like you might get that customer twice in your lifespan. Uh, institutional investors will work with a lot, but for us, it's a huge relationship building thing. And so what we have to pay attention to is that very, very empathetic human side of conversation. I do think that there has been a loss of that. I think that there's been um, there's there's been a few campaigns that, that have come out lately 
uh, uh, what's the what's the water? You can probably have, um, the the what's water up? in a, what, I can't remember the name of it. Oh. Now. I just totally blanked on it. Uh, liquid oh, death. I know. Is it liquid death? death. Liquid death. Yeah, liquid death. Yes. That one. So so liquid yeah. death started putting out these crazy ads. You know, this, in the last year. About water. Yeah. It blew everybody away, and it's like they, you do not see that often anymore, right? Like there there's those types of ads that are really resonating because they're taking risks and relying on the human equation. Those gamblers are not as common. And, and because data centric marketing is very conservative. And so, yeah, I, I do think that there's, there's a human side that has been lost over the years that, that is, everybody comes back to the mid ground, right? Like you, you move to an extreme. We're seeing it politically now. I'm hoping everybody comes back to the mid ground, but you, you see, People go to trends and they go to extremes and then they'll always come back and it's like, it's no longer the driver. It's just a tool in your belt. Data is a tool in your belt. It's, it's a backbone tool, but it's, it's not the, the end all be all right. Yeah. Being in the middle ground is boring. It's not good for marketing, even though that's how people should be. If, if more people were more, you know, in the middle ground and had thoughts like that and not go to extremes, I think there would be less arguments. Because we're all just kind of, we can understand both sides, but everyone likes to take the extreme side. For example, and this is my next point, some people are saying performance marketing is dying. And you and I talked about this. It kind of is dying, but some people are saying no. Uh, there are some there are some areas, depending on which industry, it's not all dying, but for, for a, a large majority of the cases, performance marketing is starting to die down because third-party tracking, to your point, is it, it's, it's, it's not relevant anymore. Yeah, it's so much harder to retarget. What are your thoughts on performance marketing? Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's kind of that middle ground answer, right? Like, I, I, I'm not going to say dying because I don't think that it's going to ever die. It's just going to... It's evolving to something that is a tactic. Yeah, it's it's just it, instead of being, you know, the the only thing that's happening in a certain department, it has to be viewed more holistically, right? Like for this channel, for this thing, we we rely more on performance marketing, you know, something like that. Uh, I, I I don't think that that it's going away anytime soon, but I do think that the overemphasis on it is probably chilling out a little bit which is good right because because extremes extremes stay that way um and and they can't be maintained um you know it's 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 definitely i think a lot of what drives marketing in any in any way shape and form is that it's the the fear of missing out right so and so is doing it they had remarkable success everybody needs to do just that and it's like yeah you know you, you you need to uh I'm, I'm trying to come i'm really great with analogies here lately i'm my brain's struggling but you you can focus on the tires of your car but if you don't focus on the engine it's not going to move very well right like you've got to have the whole thing go. Yeah. um there you, you know go. It, I, I pulled one out of the hat see that <laughs> that was a good one you deserve a hot sauce shot for that you deserve it why would I do that to myself? <laughs> I'm kidding. You, you don't deserve Wait, it. You gotta get me with you here, though. Okay, but we are gonna move on. All right, um, let's do it. I think we have we have a, a like ten minutes left. Um, I'm gonna move on to a new segment that I think I'm gonna get you in. All right. It's a new segment that I'm not sure if I told you. I'm gonna give you three 
dad jokes. Jokes that are kind of dry and probably going to be revolving around marketing. If you laugh, you got to take a shot of hot sauce. I'll give you three. And if you don't laugh, I'll take a shot of hot sauce. Okay? Does that sound fair? You want me to throw you a mercy laugh in here anywhere? They are dad jokes, right? Yeah, don't worry. I got some some of the best. All right. Some of the best. All right, okay. you ready? All right. Um, oh, God, some of these are actually dirty. I can't do that. Um, <laughs> all right, I'll start... I'll start. I'll start off. I'll start off with a uh, marketing joke. Um, how did the dad know that uh, that his daughter was going to be a good marketer one day? I don't know. Her first word was data. Okay. Okay. I had to swallow that one, man. That was there. That hurt. That hurt a little bit. It was bit. right there. It was right there. Okay, so I got one. I'll, I'll do it later. I got two more. All right, all right, all right. All right. All right. Um, some of these are funny. Um, all right. Uh, I used to work. I, didn't, I don't know if I told you. I used to have a job at a calendar factory. We just printed calendars all day. And, and I got fired because I took a couple days off. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what happened is you, you had the first one, and I'm holding it together. They built. They. It's a snowball. Oh my god, that's so funny! All right, all right. So this last one. Um, all right, you know what? So you laughed, and I, and then you didn't laugh. This last one, we'll do it anyways. We're both gonna drink anyways, but let's see. We both let's got see. some hot sauce. Yeah, yeah. We both hot sauce, hot sauce. But if you lose, whoever, we'll just do a little bit more. We'll add a little <laughs> bit more on our, on our, on our, all right, on our all right. spoon. All right, last one. Um, how do you get a guy with one arm out of a tree? Oh, no. You just wave at him. You just wave at him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we got coffee and habanero mixed together in this thing. <laughs> I- I'm going to go spicy. I'm going to go Carolina Reaper. Like you said, I'm going spicy. Are you? you okay. I you got the, I got the habanero. Yeah, no, I I laugh too. I think I think let's be fair to each other. We 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 kind of tied. I actually no, I laughed. I, 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 well, not really tied. I I kind of grimaced, laughed, mouth smiled on that last one there. So I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably me. I think I have the heavier burden here. Um, I've well, never I'll opened do Carolina one. Reaper. I'll do okay. Carolina Reaper. Is that Carolina Reaper as well? This is this is habanero, but I've never had it, okay, so I have fine. no idea how hot this is. That's fine. I'll do this. Right. I'm probably gonna go straight to the washroom, but um, all right, I've got a reaper on hand. There it is. Yeah, it's spicy. Yeah, it is spicy. Damn it, damn it, Tortuga Gordon, why would you make such a hot, spicy 
I like the oh. plug there. You get, you get props on the plug. I need to. I need to find hot sauce manufacturers that actually that I actually know. These, these guys are just guys that I found at a bachelor party when I went to a port, um, Portland. I, I kind of feel like I did you there. Sorry. I feel like I, I feel like I did you dirty a little there. Like that one, it was hot, but it didn't really like. I'm not making that face, so I feel like. Ah! <laughs> I'm sweaty. I'm sweaty. Oh god. Okay, so we're done with with this this segment. This right. segment is not good. We're drinking no matter what. I do want to ask you one quick question. Yes. I wasn't sure if you. I feel like this is a perfect time to ask you because you probably really want to answer and not take another shot because we just took one. Um, how much how much do you make as a CMO? How much do I make? I'm keeping that one button down. No, no. Yeah, I thought you shot. were going to give it away. I thought you were going to give it away. No. And I'm gonna, okay. I, I am going to do this in your honor here with the Reaper. Um, this is the... Senior Lechuga. Did you shake it? Did you shake it? I did. I shook it. I shook it. I got the vinegar out of there. Um, I'm going to get some water. Give me one second. Yeah, do that. You need to. All right. All right. I I got this. I got the the Reaper. I'm going to run it. Good luck, my friend. We believe in you. Oh, that was a terrible idea. <laughs> that is spicy. Yeah, that was well, that was a punch well, right in my mouth. Like that. This last three to five minutes, <clears throat> you're gonna All be right. talking. So good luck. I just want to um, understand a little bit about your background. Okay. Like, how what life was like growing up? Oh my god, so spicy. <laughs> So you started off as a graphic designer, right? yeah. A while ago, you went to school in Boise. You went to Boise State University, did your MBA. Way later on at at, at Oklahoma, but basically, essentially, you gra- you gra- you graduated with a graphic design, a bachelor of fine arts. But what was li- life like, you know, for young, for young Matt? What was it like? What was your childhood like growing up? Oh, childhood. That's a unique story. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in a hillbilly town in the middle of nowhere. There's a logging town. Uh, my dad was a logger. Um, everybody around me was loggers or worked in ag, ran ranches, something like that. Um, I actually moved in from out of town, so I got initiated. Um, I was the out-of-towner that moved in. Um, initiated. And that's what I mean. Like, those, like if, you, if you were not familiar, man, you got to go through a thing to be trusted. So, uh, yeah, I moved in. It is... Very, um, you know, at the time, this is going to date me a lot. There's no internet. There's no TVs. So, like, we did hillbilly things all the time. So, it was a bunch of hillbilly stuff. Uh, Eight-man football. uh, You know, 500 people in the town. Everybody knows everybody. Uh, Wow. Ski hill hill within 20 minutes. So, I I skied a lot. Um, Got up to a lot of mischief. Um, So, you you come up with your own entertainment. So, yeah. And it's, it's, it's a unique thing because, you know, your focus is on, your focus is on hard work. I, my family owned a feed mill. And so I started working in a feed mill. I started working in an industrial feed mill when I was about eight years old. 
Um, they kept me, they kept me out of all the machinery though. That, that, you know, that's, that's no good. And I, I like to say with agricultural based families, like you don't have kids, you just increase your workforce. So, uh, <laughs> that's a good one. That should have been I your dad joke. You should have, you should have, yeah, uh, that's my dad joke. you gave one back to me. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was, it was a unique background. Um, you know, just small town kind of life. Uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of focus on, like I said, the kind of the, the, the work side, not a whole lot of focus on people going to college and stuff like that. I ended up going, it was great for me. Um, that was my path. Uh, it, it, it sort of, what made I, you I, decide, what made you decide to go down that path when everyone around you were hillbillies doing, you know, working on the farm and stuff and you decided to get an arts degree and then you went and then you did graphic arts. Like did you, what made you decide that? <laughs> I actually started out, I wanted to go into pre-med and I got into my first math classes and it was like, oh, wow. this is terrible. <laughs> it took me a while. Oh my God. It, you, what it took me was a lot of maturing to be able to really function in a mathematical environment. And I didn't have it. I wasn't mature enough. And so I, I, I did the thing that a lot of small town kids did, which was, I'm going to get the heck out of here. And so I did. And, and now wow. the last 10 years of my life is like, how do I get back to that? Cause it was really nice. <laughs> yeah. Life was probably a lot more simple, right? It's, it's a lot more straightforward. Um, really. And it just comes down to nature is a part of my life. I, I am uncomfortable with city lights and concrete. Um, I I'm fine there, but I, I got to have access to, to the outdoors and I want my, my sons to have that kind of stuff. Um, I want to be able to provide that to their life because there's definitely a, there's the difference right between between when kids grow up in that environment and when they grow up in a, in a more urban environment. And and I like the country environment. I wanted I want my kid to get dirt in his mouth and like run around and do silly things in the woods. So. Wow. So what made you decide to leave? Like, was there was there like a moment in life where you're like, I don't want to live like in a small town, I want to see bigger opportunities or was it was your parents saying, you know what, Mac, like you can do way bigger things outside or friends. Like what made you decide to leave? Cause that's a huge decision to leave everyone behind. Yeah. yeah my mom was a pretty heavy influence on that. She, she had a really, she didn't get to finish college. She had an accident halfway through college. She raised me. She's a, a quadriplegic. She's paralyzed. And so she, her college got cut short and she put a huge emphasis on that. Like you need to go out and experience the world. You have to go and get your feet outside of your local community and you have to grow that way. And she wow. kind of kicked me out of the house. Like, she, she's kind of wow. like, you're on your own kid, get out of here. And, and didn't give me a choice. Wow. She didn't want me to stay because of her or any kind of, you know, other kind of loyalties for me. I didn't know why I wanted to go to college at first. It was just the next step. Right. But what I always had was, like a really, really aggressive approach to learning. I had kind of an obsession with it. And once I realized that that's kind of what secondary education is, um, or realized what the, that's what college is, um, I sort of, I, I enjoyed that part. I didn't necessarily apply it all the best. I was kind of a doofy undergrad. I, I pulled it together in grad school, but uh, in, in undergrad, I, I was very aggressive about learning. And that's, that's sort of why college was good for me is because I had that approach. I think had I grown up in the internet age, like nowadays, I probably would have been, you know, 
as a kid, crazy about that. As an adult, I still am, but I think it would have given me a leg up. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's so cool. And hearing your story and everything that you're doing now, um, your mom will be proud. Um, uh, are you still pretty close? What's your mom? Oh yeah. I call her pretty much daily. Yeah. I annoy yeah. her on the daily. Yeah. That's awesome. And, uh, well, thank you so much though, for coming on the show, being a champ and taking that last Carolina, that, that Reaper, or was it Ghost or Reaper that you did? That Lots was Reaper. That was Reaper. Whew. That's uh, you're a champion. We're definitely going to have to do a round two at some point. Um, excited to hear the journey. Well, what, where the company ends up at the end of the year, hopefully there's like a bit of a recovery, right? But um, uh, people that are listening that made it all the way through, they want to learn more about you. They want to connect with you. What's the best way for people to kind of follow along your journey and connect with you? Yeah, hit me up. I check my LinkedIn on the regular. Um, so you can just find me, Mac Christian uh, on LinkedIn. That's a really easy channel to get a hold of me. Um, I'm pretty open. I'm very, very transparent. I'll answer pretty much anything. Um, I just want to thank you. Uh, this is really, really cool to be on here. I, I know it's a lot of me blabbing, so I, I really appreciate anybody else who's gotten through this. I really appreciate that. Um, I hope I've answered some questions or maybe inspired something or, or given some information that's useful. Well, you've inspired me to make a trip out to Boise and check out the, 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 the shooting ranges and all that stuff. But uh, Mac, I appreciate you and we'll catch up very soon. Say howdy when you get out here. We'll give you a tour. Hey, hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I did. My mouth was burning on fire for about 30 minutes there. So I had to take a quick break before I recorded this. But I really just wanted to say thank you for tuning in. Most of us work at home nowadays and we're all just in our pajamas, in our t-shirts and in our hoodies. It just feels really fun and really light. And that's the kind of vibe that I'm trying to give. If there's anything that you want to add into the show, new segments or new topics to talk about, feel free to throw it into the comments below. Thank you so much again. Would not be here without you support. Until next time, peace out. Hope to see you soon.